Welcome to Recently Logged, blah, blah, blah. Hello. You're joining us today. <laughs> I will talk in this voice the entire podcast. I'm sure that won't get old. It uh, won't get old. <laughs> I don't I don't think we've ever been ambitious enough to keep a bit going the entire episode, except for like the Princess Bride episode or something. That you know? was just interjections. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, here we are, we're, we're doing an episode during October. My birthday month, the month of Halloween. The month of Halloween, so we're doing spooky movies, and this week we're talking about an animated film from one of my favorite directors. Yeah. He's mostly known for his television work, but we're talking about uh, one of his movies that came out in the early 2010s. Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I, I guess I guess let's let's tell the people what they need to know about the movie. What will they need to know? Mm. Hi, I'm. Uh, I don't know who that guy was. There was like a vampire in the studio. We kicked that guy out. But we're Good talking riddance. about uh, we're talking about Hotel Transylvania, which is a 2012 movie rated PG. It's an hour and 31 minutes. Its little IMDb description is Dracula, who operates a high-end resort away from the human world, goes into overprotective mode when a boy <laughs> discovers the resort and falls for the Count's teenage daughter. The man was living in overprotective mode. Right. <laughs> it's like to a comedic degree. Right. The cast features the voices of Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, uh, Steve Buscemi, who is this? Uh, Fran Drescher, mm-hmm. uh, Molly Shannon, David Spade. Oh, yeah. CeeLo Green. Dude, CeeLo Green's kind of killing it. <laughs> and, and lots of people. Yeah. Um, it is directed by, again, the aforementioned Jindy Tartakovsky. Um, let me pull up the right. It just says, and others. Just tell <laughs> me the others. A uh, screenplay by Peter Banham, Robert Smeagol. There's a lot of screenwriters Todd Durham, <laughs> Dan Hageman, and Kevin Hageman. Yes. Brothers, perhaps. <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty cool. It was edited by uh, Catherine Apple, who edited Luca and Onward. So that's fun. Yeah, I'd say it's a well-edited movie. Yeah, (laughs) it's interesting because she uh, didn't come back for the third one. She was on two, though? She was on two, yeah. I haven't haven't seen two in so long, honestly. Music composed by Mark Mothersburg. Mother's Bow. Mother's Bow, I can read. (laughs) I was about to say, if there was a G at the end, which, I mean, without the H, I guess. Uh, But yeah, it's it's a good score, I say. I mean, he usually makes really fun scores. Yeah, for sure. Um, but honestly, that's like, what, what else do you need to know? You need to know that it features Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Amongst the, many other monsters. It features Mavy Wavy. Mavy Wavy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, uh, just giving some other context, like, obviously, we, we kind of grew up with this movie, so we're... To a degree, yeah. Yeah, to a degree. It's about it was, a decade old at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was 
like we this wasn't like quite our age group when we watched no. it it was a little young but still like we did grow up watching these as they came out yeah um and i have pretty fond memories of watching this um for the first time and maybe maybe that's why the nostalgia has <laughs> blinded me away perhaps perhaps but yeah i think i think that's really all the basic facts we need to do yeah it's a, it's a pretty uh easy to understand movie yeah it's hotel transylvania but yeah let's uh let's get into what we thought of the movie let's do it So, Robbie, yes, Micah. What did what did you think, if you were to put it in a short, nice, simple, summarized manner, with some form of rating at the end? <laughs> what did you think in a basic form, like a, like a review <laughs> of Hotel Transylvania? <laughs> uh, I think generally that it's a pretty great movie, uh, which I I didn't realize until after we just finished watching it is kind of a hot take, yeah, an unpopular opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, it has like a three point two average, which isn't like it's like only a one star off of yeah, what I would no, give that's, it. That's not bad. Um, but like generally, a lot of the people that I follow don't really like it that much. And I don't know, I just have a really, I, I guess, a soft spot for it. Like, sure, it's a little, like, weirdly, I, I don't even know how I would describe it. It's just not, like, super well-written or that emotionally engaging for me. Yeah. But I find it really, really funny and really inventive and really well-directed and really well-animated. Like, yeah. I just have a really good time watching it. It's got a great, like, creative spirit. And it's just constantly throwing, like... I don't know, just stuff I find funny at me, <laughs> like every couple seconds. So I, I have a good time watching it. I love the vo- uh, the vocal cast, and yeah, it, it's it's a good time. I like the character animation a lot too. That's, for sure, for sure. Especially, I, there are very few 3D movies that look like Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, and I really admire that about it. And even the sequels, which I don't think are as good, you know, they still look pretty great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up giving it a four out of five, which is maybe a bit generous. But honestly, like, I had fun with it. I don't know. <laughs> what, what else do you want from a movie, honestly? Especially one like this, where it's all, like, built around the the mythos of different, like, classic monsters and stuff. It's very much like a kid's Halloween movie. Yeah, for And I sure. think it really succeeds at that. So, yeah, four out of five. Four out of Solid. five. Solid. What nice. about you, Micah? What did I think of Hotel Transylvania? Well, I feel like, I don't know, we're often in pretty similar boats on opinions <laughs> on movies, and I, I roll in mostly the same direction with this. I think it's, for the most part, pretty fun, especially once you get past a lot of the character introductions, which for some reason are way more unfunny than a lot of, like, the rest of the movie. Yeah. I think it just has really memorable characters that I enjoy watching right. in all of the movies. Like, that's kind of what... I think the series' strong point is is just its characters, and that's including its vocal cast for those <laughs> characters and its expressive animation and character designs. Like, these character designs are really close to almost like Illumination character designs, <laughs> but it kind of shows 
the the step up that this takes that it's even that I could even make that comparison but I feel like nobody would ever put those in like the same <laughs> breath of animation degree because this is just so well animated and all of it's so expressive and character driven yeah if you guys have ever seen uh Tartakovsky's other works like something like Samurai Jack or the Powerpuff Girls it actually comes through a lot in this uh the way like he animates characters is just so expressive and really funny and it has a really great snappiness to it yeah and, and it, it, it it just shines through so well yeah, in 3D, that's which translated. I didn't expect. Yeah, that's translated especially well through a lot of the direction and, mm-hmm. like, camera work in the movie, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. The camera is so, like, in motion <laughs> for a lot of this movie. And it even if it doesn't have the strongest plot or always even the strongest jokes, I think it stays consistently pretty well paced and interesting. And there's always some fun character moment happening in each scene. Exactly. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. Maybe i'm a dumb baby <laughs> perhaps it's true a baby even, movie for babies if the song was better at the end i would like the song at the end more i don't i don't understand why that is such a hated trope of kids movies it's fine it's fun it's for kids <laughs> and, and besides it gave us so many great memes oh my goodness this movie man but anyway i gave it a three and a half out of five very nice. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty solid film. I yeah. don't know. Like I would I would be really proud if I made this. I yeah. don't know. Like if I worked on this movie, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> it's good times. <laughs> but do you have a question to kick us off? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, what do you think generally of the ensemble in this movie? We praised like the vocal cast a bit in our basic like facts, but you mentioned that the characterization of like all of the ensemble characters is really fun. Yeah. Do you have like a, do you have like a favorite or just a general remark about like how that kind of cultivates a fun energy in the movie or anything? Yeah, no, I do. I think, (laughs) I think the ensemble is pretty great. I think they can lack a lot in this movie, especially, um, I think it's very interesting yet again, as this is a series that kind of builds on those characters more. Mm-hmm. And maybe I have some of that held in my subconscious of like where these characters go. <laughs> but even just this movie alone, I think makes most of its side characters really memorable in a fun way. Right. It makes them feel very like real. The entire world feels very real and lived in in a weird way. Like it, you believe it as a reality, even as some things don't make sense. And right. the plot plays out. You're like, what? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but like the characters like the main like dracula's friend group is really funny to me yeah um wayne is <laughs> wayne is amazing maybe i'm crazy but wayne is like one of the best characters in animation that i've seen <laughs> just just his his really long snoot oh my god and like his floppy face and the voice of steve buscemi and so his funny, outfit dude. and facial expressions almost every scene he's in i think is really funny and most of the characters in this they don't have much to do plot wise like mm-hmm. if we're talking side ensemble it really <laughs> is just mavis johnny and dracula yeah those are like your only real characters <laughs> but for that these other characters i think give a really nice like decoration and world building to everything even um like frank which is not my favorite of any of them <laughs> is like really fun and adds some cool dimensions to what uh johnny's up to right and the invisible man has some fun jokes <laughs> and just the voice of the characters in general i think my least favorite 
is uh, the mummy, but he just doesn't, he's not allowed to do much yeah, that's fun. I was about to say, I actually really like CeeLo Green's, like, energy that he has here, but he, yeah, he, he has the least amount of screen time yeah, out of any of them. And, and consistently in the series, I think he's given, like, the least funny jokes out yeah. of anybody, which I think is kind of a shame. <laughs> but still, I like, they're all very distinct and memorable and bring something fun to the world and just to the pacing of jokes and scenes. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've always kind of admired about, like, the series and specifically this movie is all of the, like, kind of weird mishmashing of, like, a bunch of different folklore and stuff like that. But it all it all comes together, like, really seamlessly somehow. Yeah. Like, you can take a look at just about any of the characters and instantly know, like, what they're about. Like, I don't know. Like, they're kind of simplistic, but, like, in a really, like, pleasant way. Yeah, they're all very much, like cartoonish caricatures yeah, yeah. which again this which brings is good <laughs> this brings to life cartoons in a way that i again 3d animation so very rarely does not even just in its animation itself but in a lot of its writing yeah. i mean tartakovsky is like <laughs> i don't know if you know his work he's practically like one of the founding fathers <laughs> of modern kids animation yeah um for, i mean like the cartoon network yeah he did so everything. much cartoon network work <laughs> and so, like he went he went on to work with like a bunch of adult swim shows which yeah. again has a lot of acclaim <laughs> yeah so bringing that kind of knowledge and energy to this this movie is really really impressive like the characters feel like how you want a cartoon character to feel when, yeah. when they're not that focused on they have their bit they're funny they're expressive they're memorable and they mesh exactly you you instantly know it's it's that whole like situation where if you have two well-written characters you could just put them in any situation and have it play out like it, you know like you can understand how it would happen exactly like and i and i honestly think yeah. you could do that with most of these side characters like you could grab wayne <laughs> and the invisible man and put them in a bunch of different exactly, situations yeah. and i would have an idea of what they would do as characters even though you get very little screen time with them exactly Exactly. Yeah, it's just it's just an aspect of the movie that I really appreciate and I think makes it a lot more fun when I'm actually watching it because that's one of the things that I love like when I'm just watching the movie is all of the like little background gags and like fun interactions between all of them. I I just think it's fun. Yeah, it's a fun environment. Yeah, you can tell so much love was put into this concept and idea. <laughs> right. And even even the ability and I actually wanted to bring this up uh eventually i didn't uh, might as well do it now <laughs> yeah might as well uh but even like the idea of the fact that they take the time to try and work uh you know it's a little ham-fisted in there but a decent attempt at a pretty like you know emotional core to the movie yeah, to dracula's yeah. character to make him like by the time you get through all of dracula's stuff even though it very much comes out of nowhere i think that's one of its big issues and how it lands is it's comedy silly movie and then dracula's like but there was a dark history and stuff like that and just kind of is weird for what they're doing I yeah think they could have done that in a little bit of a smoother way tonally um but once you finish up dracula's story and you get so into like adam sandler's performance and kind of what he's, he's doing crazy here dude. And, and even with the opener with him and mavis like yeah. you, you you they do a really good job of making you understand dracula which is really interesting because again i think he's like the most comedically overprotective and controlling parent in a movie i was thinking during the first maybe like 10 minutes of this like while i was watching it this time 
I was like, if this wasn't like if they somehow didn't make Dracula this likable, this would be an insufferable movie. Yeah, which <laughs> I think I think honestly, that's one of the reasons I don't like some of the later installments is mm-hmm. because Dracula isn't inherently like written in the same way. He's, yeah. written, he's written kind of different. He has different character conflicts and he can be kind of unlikable in later. Movies. Exactly. Yeah, because he's doing like a kind of objectively awful things throughout the entire movie but like between adam sandler's performance and like the characterization of like his friendships his like past friendships in the world and like his passion for you know his daughter and everything in his hotel like we we empathize with him really really fast which is really good yeah and like just the way that johnny is worked into dracula's character arc, yeah. i think is really impressive because johnny johnny is like the funniest character ever <laughs> That is the one character in this movie that I think, like, to memory, every single joke from Johnny works. Right. Like, I would not say that of any other character in this movie, I don't think, but all of Johnny-related jokes are bangers every single time. He's so funny. He's easily, like, one of the best things to come out of this entire series. You know, it's funny. I think uh, I saw a couple reviews when I was, like, scrolling through it, like, on Letterboxd for this movie that were talking... They were talking about, like, why did, um... Johnny and Dracula have more chemistry. Right. Well, I was about to I was about to get to that because, like, I mean, effectively, Dracula is the main character of this. Mavis isn't. Mavis gets actually surprisingly little amount of screen time. I don't think that's a flaw of the movie Mm -hmm. because, again, Dracula is more your main character. Yeah. Uh, But because of that, Johnny is like (laughs) he is the thing that changes dracula's emotional state not mavis i mean he's very directly like a foil for dracula exactly that's that's his whole thing (laughs) dude the scenes with them together are really so much fun and and they endure you just as much to to johnny as dracula like the scenes where like dracula kind of drops his very controlling grumpy mindset even just a little little bits here and there like i love just the fact that like nobody can like handle johnny's pure just pleasantness to be around nobody can hold up any like grudge or grumpiness around him you know this is kind of like a paddington movie when you think about it It almost is (laughs) that's a really weird thing to say but jonathan is like this extremely positive force of nature that comes in and changes somebody's life well, yeah, it's really interesting because he's meant to be like this beacon of hope for humanity, like and for, Dracula, like the younger yeah. generation. <laughs> yeah, like Dracula's like lost all hope that humanity could ever change or ever love like monsters, and then Johnny is meant to be like this ultra wholesome, happy, like understanding guy. Yeah, and it works. Comes it works so well through like the writing of his character being genuinely really funny and yeah. Andy Samberg being Andy Samberg. Oh like there are so many fun jokes that are also really fantastic characterization. Like after Dracula does his whole like I will suck your blood and turn you into a whippy cushion thing and Mavis is like come with me and he's like no I can't and she's like it'll be fun and he's just immediately like okay okay. (laughs) comes with it like moments like that are really funny and also immediately get you into that mindset of like what Johnny is doing as a character right I feel like we need like a stoner comedy prequel with johnny on his, would, yeah. his global his globe trotting that would be i don't i don't want to give studios more ideas to just keep pumping out the same series because we never needed a hotel transylvania 4 and that no, happened no but johnny prequel movie would be amazing 
Probably. <laughs> Probably, hopefully. <laughs> He's just such a fun character to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask, though, do you have a favorite scene or sequence in the movie? Because that's, that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that while we were watching it. There's a lot of, like, really fun, like, little vignettes near the middle of just, like, Dracula and Johnny, like, doing yeah. random stuff, like, setting up for the party and everything. Uh, it, it's probably something in the... <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like a specific... Yeah, I was about to say, because it's a very much like cartoon comedy, yeah. a lot of the scenes are exactly... They go by that. very They're, they're little vignettes yeah. of like, here is this, here is this set, comedic set piece, and then move on. Yeah, they're very quick, which I, I mean, works to its advantage. I, again, I think probably the last like 20 minutes of the movie are the weakest part, so I probably wouldn't yeah. pull something from that. But I don't know. I, the introduction scene for Johnny is really funny. Actually, I might yeah. go with that. <laughs> I might yeah. go with that. As as weird as some of the jokes are in that sequence, like I think just generally, like the scene Dude, of him in the broom closet before that. Oh what gosh. is going on? <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that would probably be my favorite. Yeah, no, I get that. I was about to say, like, honestly. <laughs> It's kind of a cop-out answer, but, like, that sequence of uh, Jonathan going around to all of the different monster activities, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> the, the The boring... B-51. Oh, my gosh. The bingo bit is, like, the funniest thing ever. And him, him coming into all of those situations, and you get, like, all sorts of ones, like the dinner and, like, all the different, like... And again, it's kind yeah, of that a big, montage is kind really of a funny. big chunk and it's not like montagey montagey. Yeah. But like that entire sequence of middle chunk where Johnny is first like <laughs> getting to know all of the like monsters and getting to have really fun bits with a lot of them. Yeah. I think is really great. It's it's just fun and funny and that's what this movie needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. I think at at its most enjoyable it's just like dumb jokes like dumb little bits with each of the different characters yeah maybe i'm crazy but this is like a very direct continuation of of like the style humor and comedy of like the looney tunes but actually mm. brought to life well like thinking of something like one of the, like the space jam movies <laughs> for some reason those do a really bad job at bringing to life what makes Looney Tunes, and not even specifically Looney Tunes, obviously. Hotel Transylvania is not very Looney Tunes-esque. No. But that kind of cartoon, like a true cartoons cartoon yeah. style. Which this very much um, is. It's very absurd and, like, wacky yeah. and, like, kind of for surreal some, almost. For some reason, sometimes. something like Space Jam does a really, really bad <laughs> job at understanding how to adapt that into, well, like, a different setting. The Looney Tunes characters, they're meant to be stuck into a very small narrative framework and when you blow it like you you give it like a huge ensemble and make this rather large long story where not everybody has a clear like one yeah or like goal in each individual scene it gets very muddy very fast right it's very difficult to balance a cartoon-esque like cartoon-esque movie because of the nature of that style of cartoon like mm -hmm. you said they're supposed to if you think back like of any, if you think back of any <laughs> Looney Tunes, part of what makes their comedy work so well is that they're simple, they're mm -hmm. concise. Most Looney Tunes shorts, the entire like the entire thing is one joke, like extended yeah. to its full potential, and then it ends. Yeah, like that's literally ninety percent of them. They're not complex. <laughs> it's just this scene that they thought of where then this could happen. 
Um, and sometimes that makes for like a masterpiece, like one, fr- <laughs> what is that called? One, one froggy evening. Yeah, one froggy evening <laughs> where it's just like the funniest thing in the world. And it's yeah. literally just the frog won't sing in front of anyone else but him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like that style is really hard to blend into a movie, especially a movie that tries to have a very traditional plot, mm-hmm. um, which Hotel Transylvania kind of tries to do. Yeah, it has. Um, I mean, it just has like at its very core, a very basic like overprotective parent lies to child their lies revealed they learn their lesson blah 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 yeah the end. <laughs> but, but with that i think that actually kind of benefits that because the writing of the plot as you mentioned i think is kind of weak it's not it's eh. it's, it's it's whatever it's, it's shaky it's yeah. shaky at best it's not like bad no but it's not like memorable or notable in that aspect but what i think is notable is that it could be so much worse <laughs> so easily. Yeah. This plot could suck, especially to me personally, because I am a certified <laughs> hater of liar reveal plots. I feel like anyone who's listened to the podcast, exactly. if you, especially for like our animated movies, you, yeah, they it's should such know. A, it's such a leaned-on trope in animation, <laughs> and I hate that it is, because it's always like the dumbest thing and usually revolves around stupid stuff that just wouldn't happen in a live action movie because people realize that it would be dumb if it did because they're like oh a person is just right there why wouldn't you just talk to them right um with animation they're like oh but uh shrek wouldn't go talk to fiona because he's shrek oh my god i don't know that's my least favorite part of shrek but yeah it's such a leaned on trope and this has that too but because it operates on such kind of a cartoony style so much of it isn't that focused on the plot. Yeah. And by the time you get to the liar reveal, which in here is especially like kind of, it, it seems like it should bother me even more because you have Johnny going off on the whole, no, I hate oh, monsters gosh. thing. <laughs> but that's like dropped so quickly. Yeah. It's such like a, it's such like a, a, a snappy thing that mm-hmm. isn't dragged on because they want to get to the point where they can have more jokes and you know somebody may be like i don't know like i feel like an, a common criticism of this would be like oh they're undercutting their emotional moments with humor <laughs> but it's not even that i think it rests long enough there's a beat with they, it. yeah they don't do that which i'm really i really actually admired you know yeah it's not like dracula's like oh my wife was murdered and that's why i'm overprotective and johnny was like oh funny bro exactly yeah you know it's the or like he's in the middle of the story and and jonathan interrupts to be like whoa yeah no i that's something i really admired this time around i was like oh like they could go in for a joke here i'm glad they're not they're trying to give as much weight as they can to the drama of the movie yeah but they also recognize that the drama isn't the focus and i think that's a really nice balance to where you're not stuck in yeah. any kind of melodrama between the oh, characters <laughs> the next time mavis sees johnny which again is after dracula's little change of heart mm-hmm. uh they're just fine together like they're just like <laughs> yeah he was gonna kill me if i didn't say that so it, it i don't know i think that's a really notable thing for how it plays out even if it's <laughs> not the strongest thing on its own yeah yeah um, to your to your Looney Tunes point, I just had like a little thing that I wanted to mention. I think it's really funny how most of like I, I, basically everything but the final little like section of the movie is just like little 
almost like Looney Tunes-esque scenes where you just have like a handful of characters like doing one thing. Yeah. Which I mean, that's, I mean, like the definition of a scene is like, yeah. is like a tiny little it's like, like man, movie. They, they, they took a couple of characters Whoa. and they had them interact in a way that progressed the plot. But yeah, I just think like the way they go about writing like bits from scene to scene is really admirable because it does, it does feel kind of reminiscent of like something like a Looney Tunes, like especially with a lot of the scenes between Drac and Johnny and like any, any time Dracula's hanging out with like all of his buddies and everything. Like it's a very, it's a very straightforward way to go about writing comedy, but it's very effective here. Yeah. I think. It feels, it feels honestly like that it, that it leans similar towards a lot of like think Disney movies that came out at the time <laughs> um, that I could see them kind of approaching all of a similar kind of humor, mm-hmm. but one of the things like we've mentioned that I think really elevates that away from just being very simple, like I, I, I don't know why, but it comes to mind like <laughs> that Frozen tries to have Ooh. kind of similar written comedic scenes to this Ooh. movie, even though that's a much less comedic movie. It's yeah. much more focused on its plot. Yes. But thinking about the comedic scenes from something like Frozen or even Tangled, another movie came out around the same yeah. time they have the same kind of feeling of the way they go about writing their scenes but so much about the actual specific character work and especially the animation and the wackiness that hotel transylvania always tries to bring like they will go out of their way to punctuate a um comedic beat yeah instead of going out of their way to like have the plot work into the comedic beats yeah i mean tangled and especially frozen i would har- i would even hesitate to call frozen a dramedy i was gonna say tangled is much more of a dramedy yeah. which a hotel transylvania is like just a yeah straight up I, was, I was about to say the only <laughs> yeah. like the, that's a like it's a light comparison yeah. just in terms of they're definitely different genre movies yeah. their goals are different but I don't know if it makes sense. It makes sense in my mm-hmm. mind that like if you think if you isolate to just a comedic moment yeah. or scene, it's it has a very strongly similar vibe mm. to the like that was just the kind of the the humor no, and animation saying, at yeah. the time in movies. Um, but I think this captures something really different out of it because of what its priorities are. Yeah, you know I think it's interesting like thinking back to when this came out. Because we get this little, like, section during the closing credits where, like, you have all the characters, like, 2D animated. And it kind of made me, like, it always makes me wonder, like, what would this movie look like in 2D, you know? Well, honestly, like, would it be it better would be, I think it would worse? be very similar like, to that style that those credits are in because that's a very uh, Tartakovsky style Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, and again, all of the art direction and, like, concept art and stuff is very, very much his visual style and the way he goes about drawing, like, heads and bodies and stuff. It's all very reminiscent of his other work. Yeah, for sure. Um, But, like, I I just think, I I thought it was interesting because it highlights a bit of the, like, actual atmosphere that we get in, like, the hotel a bit, uh, which you wouldn't really have in a 2D movie. Well, not in, like, a... Not in not in, in the a, same way. I was, not in the style that Tartakovsky does. He has yeah. a very interesting style when it comes to his 2D animation that is very... That, that works extremely well for cartoons, like, like on television mm-hmm. cartoons, where they don't have a huge budget to invest in, like, background paintings yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and it'd be very interesting to see him working on something similar to this. I need to watch Primal... But even yeah. then, like, all of his stuff is very, like, minimal in his style. Yeah, all which, the stuff I've seen from um, him. Like, Powerpuff Girls, half the time, the backgrounds are just, like, colors with, like, yeah. a 
flat ground. <laughs> and again, for something like Powerpuff Girls, that came out of necessity because they just they hardly had yeah. a budget for that show. Yeah. Um, but even something like Samurai Jack in later seasons, where they do have a budget, that's still not like the the location atmosphere is never really what's focused on. And I think the 3D animation of Hotel Transylvania does actually work pretty well for what they're going for. I think it gives the film a nice physical location kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I thought about that. I'm like, well, it's, it's a weird aspect of the movie that I like hadn't acknowledged before, but like would vanish if you did it in 2D. Um, like just the more kinetic 3d space like blocking that we get in this which is actually pretty admirable and the editing does lend to that a bit as well yeah there's well a lot of movie. i was going to say there's a lot of things like again like the the quote-unquote camera work <laughs> of the movie which you could obviously re- replicate with 2d but it would be to a very different effect yeah i was about to say it would feel um, very different stuff like even again that scene that you mentioned when johnny is first like comes into the hotel there's in that scene specifically the camera does a lot of different mm-hmm. specifically like camera things exactly yeah there's um, stuff that i haven't ever seen in uh, tartakovsky's other work like just movements he wouldn't attempt in 2d because like they don't really look like it doesn't work as well visually yeah so i think i think as movies like because a lot of movies <laughs> even now just come out in 3d just because it's like, popular well that and like that yeah. because it took over and was the new thing there's just not that many people who do movie professional 2d anymore mm-hmm. like that it's, it's an unfortunately imagine pretty elemental small industry, in 2d that would have been cool actually <laughs> a lot of movies don't really feel like they justify their need for 3d mm. i feel like you've got to work for an animation like an animation you can do whatever medium you want yeah but i do legitimately think different mediums can bring stories to life in a really specific unique way you know yeah. like something like uh, the adventures of prince ahmed would not be better if it was anything <laughs> oh, else gosh. but it's like if it was like the puppet what is that what is that style called uh like cut out cut out yeah what backlit is... puppet yeah work? i don't know but like that's part of what makes it work i think the story is told actually really effectively through that art form yeah um whereas something like watership down there's a pretty direct example of how it just oh, does gosh. not work as well in 3d animation it's not made for that it is a very storybook thing that works in that medium extremely well and watership down the original movie is one of the most beautifully animated movies oh i've goodness. ever seen that movie's so good um, and it uses its, <laughs> its it uses its medium to the full effect of creating its mythos and its atmosphere yeah and so much of its kind of wavy world where the world is often blending to the perspective of the rabbits like stuff like that comes to mind are like the the power lines and how they view those as kind of these morphed things because they don't know what they are yeah and the animation really clearly and emotionally expresses that to you just from the perspective of these tiny creatures yeah um and you couldn't bring that to life through anything else you couldn't bring that alive to life and i'm going off on a long tangent <laughs> right. about animation, but i really do genuinely love animation it's one of my favorite things but you couldn't bring to life something like even curse of the were rabbit mm. through something other than claymation like yeah you know so many of these medium choices matter to what they're doing and i think 3d animation has its place but because it was the new thing on the block <laughs> through the 2010s and we were finally like perfecting it to something that actually looks good in the 2010s it was just and still kind of is 
what people default go to you know if it's a disney movie or a pixar movie well pixar it makes sense that's what they did <laughs> but yeah, if it's a disney movie <laughs> it's a dreamworks movie if it's an animated movie coming Ooh, out now i just remembered that ghibli did one <laughs> ghibli yeah they even oh, gosh. they even did one and like it's just it did not need to be no, in 3d <laughs> i do not like 3d anime it's it's the style does not work well in my opinion but again it they do it just because that seems like the thing that is popular to do, not because it really benefits the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. And it can often take away in a lot of ways. I can think of even even some Pixar movies, I think, would majorly be benefited if delivered in a different medium. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the few movies that I feel like this is a good medium for it. Like, I wouldn't switch this medium. I think it works well in 3D, whereas something like even even tangled or frozen you could see how they could be, be brought to life like a lot of the fairy tale style things from disney you could see how they could be brought to life in 2d animation in a much more timeless way it's funny because uh tangled ever after exists <laughs> yeah and i mean tangled ever after it's got a budget of a toothpick <laughs> but even it has a really strong style i exactly, love how tangled yeah. ever after looks i'm not the biggest fan of the show but mm -hmm. It, I still really think it's it's memorable. It's almost more memorable than how the 3D movie looks. Yeah, no, it's funny. Whenever someone like mentions Tangled, like those character designs pop into my head first, and then I'm like, oh wait a minute, no, that's the TV show. <laughs> so they're, they're yeah, long tangent about animation because it's something that I genuinely care about a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think this is actually a really great use of 3D animation. I actually mentioned while we were watching the film, I was like, this aged well. Yeah, like just looking at it's it, aged pretty it, great. It doesn't honestly. like it, if they're sure again. This came out in what twenty twelve. <laughs> yeah, it's over so a decade. By twenty twelve, there were like a lot of good looking and three D animated movies. We had, yeah. we had gotten it down to looking good, but there's still a lot of like kind of stilted stuff. Even in again something like Tangled, yeah, there's a lot of kind of weird stilted animation moments where things just haven't aged quite as well because they're. They're constantly moving towards kind of because realism was kind of the priority. I was about to say back back in the early 2010s, really they were just pushing for photorealism at that point because yeah. nobody had really done it like super well at that point. Yeah, and that constant push towards photorealism led pretty directly to some things aging really poorly. Like yeah. let's look at some movies that came out at that time. I was pulling <laughs> some up. So the same year. We had, well, Wreck-It Ralph is not a good example because that's also stylized mm -hmm. well. And that's that, that movie's aged pretty well. By necessity, yeah, because they wanted um, to do, like, very faithful video game designs and stuff. But something like Brave or Rise of the Guardians or Madagascar 3, those all came out that year. Ooh, Rise of the Guardians, dude. <laughs> those movies are... They've definitely aged. Yeah, you can definitely tell they were twenty ten, like twenty early twenty tens movies. My goodness, Rise of the Guardians is like tethered. It's like ball and chain trapped in that right. era of animation. Versus, dude. yeah, I, yeah, Rise of Gar <laughs> Rise of the Guardians and Madagascar Three are much stronger examples. Brave looks pretty good. Yeah, Brave looks pretty it good. Still I would has say. some. It still has some aged stuff in it. Uh, but compare that to like. So if Wreck-It Ralph, Hotel Transylvania, even some of the, the claymation ones that came out that yeah, year, man. claymation never ages, <laughs> or even like Ernest and Celestine came out that year. Yeah. Um, like there's just so many better things that you can do that won't <laughs> age them like that. And I think it's really impressive that this is like, 
I looked at this and, you know, if it wasn't for some of the humor, I wouldn't be like, that's a 2010s <laughs> movie, you know, or like an early 2010s movie. Yeah. And this is, this. if I'm not mistaken, this is pretty early on in like Sony Animation's like catalog, right? Um, I think so. Let me double check that. <laughs> Fact check for Sony Pictures <laughs> Animation. <laughs> I don't, I don't know like what their catalog, they have like such they a varied catalog. Well, the thing is... Sony got into animation in a really weird <laughs> way. Like, their first stuff was terrible. Uh, they, well, like, at least, like, their first foray into st- animation at all was Open Season, Ooh. perhaps the ugliest movies to ever come out. My goodness, those do um, look kind of bad, yeah. <laughs> and they just have this wacky, weird thing where they would do, like, open season and they do surfs up one of the most memorable animated a- movies to come out of the 2000s. <laughs> and then, like, more of that open season and then cloudy with a chance of meatballs one of the most memorable movies (laughs) like animated movies to come out of the 2000s yeah and they would just kind of flop back and forward but yeah this was relatively early on in their career they had just done like the smurf stuff yeah they had done some Ardman stuff open season cloudy with a chance of meatballs surfs up so they had some experience this is sandwiched between like the smurfs movies i forgot about Um, that but this was still when they weren't really like quite respected as a full-on animation <laughs> studio you know like yeah people really liked surfs up and cloudy with the chance of meatballs and even arthur christmas and but like they were like yeah it's the open season studio um, and they didn't really drop that reputation super much until spider verse <laughs> yeah dude I like uh <laughs> there's like the emoji movie oh god the star peter rabbit (laughs) yeah dude they must have been like so there must have been like a collective sigh of relief when spider-verse did well (laughs) right the angry birds movie there like they put out all of this stuff and then they have like spider-verse mitchell's versus the machines my goodness across the spider-verse right they're now they're now like reining in a new like wave of 3d animation it's crazy it's it's wild to see from a studio um (laughs) But hey, I like to think that Hotel Transylvania is partially responsible for leading them down that direction. It, it made them a lot of money. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a reason we got four Hotel Transylvania movies. Yeah, it's such a it's such a good like you said. It's such a good like kids Halloween movie. Yeah, that's that's one of the really most admirable things about the movie, despite all like all of the rest of the stuff, which I think is pretty good. It's not like great yeah. or like that memorable. But when you watch this movie, it's kind of just like, yeah, it's a, I think it's a really like just sweet, like kids gothic movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're like, that's Halloween. That's that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's just it's a good enough time that like I I really I can admire it for all of the things I love about it and kind of minimize some of its more like weird or like dated things, you know, I don't know. It's a it's a really fun movie. I have a really good time watching it. Yeah, so do I. Do you have anything else you want to add, though? Yeah, not really. I, I feel like we've covered a lot of the things that I really would feel like I'd have to cover for Hotel Transylvania. Like, it's not that complex of a movie, honestly. Yeah, I mean, there again, what what can I mention? Like, there's <laughs> there's some there's quite a bit towards the beginning of like very lowest common denominator like oh butts poop pee i don't know you could do a lot worse (laughs) but yeah even then you could do a lot worse than what this is presenting and i feel like people have like 
I don't know. Like, I don't want to be like one of those kind of people because I'm a big <laughs> advocate for adult animation. I always have yeah. been. Um, I, I want animation to be more than just viewed primal, as, <laughs> as baby content. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I feel like people are pretty like mean towards just pleasantly fine kid stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, there's a lot of poop jokes, but kids find that stuff funny. Like, they genuinely do. I work yeah. in an elementary school kids find poop jokes funny i mean as long as there's actually like a good punchline yeah. attached to it like i think they're funny you know and like <laughs> you know you can have stuff like that in a movie without it being the death of cinema yeah and you can have stuff like again like i don't understand why it's so hated to have like a dance or a song at the end of a movie <laughs> like whatever it's a it's a this is a goofy movie this is not i can't imagine being mad at it in this movie they have a plot justification and even then this is not like a plot heavy movie i love yeah i love that like dracula not singing with his friends like is a is a plot beat and it, he develops right by the end of the movie exactly. he's finally out on stage it's, singing with everyone exactly it's very funny and i don't know like uh, i don't know maybe just like don't be as stuck up about kids stuff like whatever it's it, i i obviously am one to advocate to be critical towards anything but you have to yeah. be critical for what it's trying to be i mean honestly like i've seen this movie what like four or five times now and i'm i'm still like i would still rewatch it you know yeah. like it's still something that i find comedic value and like genuinely creative value like in it like I, I think i get it, inspired yeah, i think it's it. got a good heart to it yeah. and even like I, I just kind of admire it for what it's doing exactly yeah i think it's impressive i think it's funny and it's just like a cozy little halloween movie yeah at not, the end of the day not my favorite not my go-to but something i will i would go to anytime exactly yeah you just turn it on you know have a have a good laugh once in a while <laughs> <laughs> but again i give it a three and a half out of five give it a four out of five solid film in my opinion my my rather biased opinion yeah <laughs> i guess i guess i was about to say are, all like, opinions yeah. are biased like it, it that's have not to the be, whole thing for it to be like a truly like quote-unquote biased opinion i feel you'd have to have like worked on the movie <laughs> that'd be funny i mean <laughs> if you want me to work on a tartakovsky movie call me up because i will do it uh, you know, I'll i will learn it out there. i will learn how to animate <laughs> Hey man, Adult Swim is pretty close to us. You Heck just, yeah, dude! Just go work at Adult Swim. <laughs> oh, he has he has a new movie actually coming out soon that I'm kind of excited for. But <laughs> yeah, just just go get a job at Adult Swim. There you go. Easy, easy, easy. easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move into the what we watch segment. Alright, so the What We Watch segment, for those of you who do not know or maybe new to the podcast, uh, <laughs> is a fun little thing we do at the end where we talk about all the movies we've seen since our last episode. We give our brief thoughts, opinions, ratings, and we just, we have fun talking about what we've been watching. Well, That's crazy. What a radical idea. And Robbie, when was our last episode released? Our last episode released on October 3rd, 2023. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> So that means we are going to be going from the third forward yes, to now. To now, to modern day. Um, and I think, I think I'm think i kicking this off for this. Yeah. So on the third, I watched, and we've been kind of doing a spooky season watch. We always do during <laughs> October where we try to pretty much keep almost exclusively like Halloween or horror themed yeah. movies. 
Um, so we we are checking stuff off. And I finally got to Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game. Uh, Mike Flanagan. Kind of the movie that kicked off a lot of his later career for what people know him as. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> it's, it's definitely memorable. It's doing a lot for kind of a low budget that you can tell it has. And I've never read Gerald's Game, but it, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's really interesting and engaging, and I think the performances are really fun. Bruce Greenwood especially is very memorable in it. And, yeah, it's simple, and I don't think as fun as it could be because of that. Like, I don't think the story is, I don't know, maybe it's better <laughs> in a book. I imagine it would be actually better in a book translating something like this where it's just a character stuck to a thing for the entire movie. Like, literally, she's just in the yeah, bed the whole movie. That doesn't strike me as a super cinematic premise, but, yeah, you know. It's it's de- it's definitely difficult to translate that well, and I think Mike Flanagan definitely has the chops to, to approach that better than most people could. Mm. And I, yeah, I was engaged. I thought it has a really interesting emotional core and some pretty, like uncomfy stuff it's it's memorable for what it does and some great character work with that it's definitely an emotional movie uh but then its ending also sucks but i feel like that's pretty in the spirit of stephen (laughs) king like i don't think flanagan could have helped that really like stephen king's just terrible at writing endings (laughs) he really is so at the end of the day it's just kind of this weird movie that i wouldn't really jump to watch again Mm. but i think it's doing something genuinely interesting and creative for what it has Um, yeah i caught the like the last 10 minutes of it and i was like this is this is kind of weird the ending sucks (laughs) so but i gave it a three and a half out of five very nice very nice then what did we watch remy uh then we sat down and we watched paranormal activity very uh surprisingly influential movie to modern horror there's Paranormal off, activity, yeah, kicked off a whole weird uh, found footage trend in the late two thousands, right? And I like found footage horror, but not like this, dude. I love found this footage. is not this is not my cup of tea. Um, I I was kind of bored with this movie. <laughs> I, I agree with this one review where it's like uh, unpopular opinion. There wasn't enough paranormal activity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's stuff. There's stuff happening. You know, vaguely at night. Like people, there's doors opening. I don't know. I just was. I was never that engaged <laughs> there's with like its, its with its plot or its scares. Mm. And sometimes it's really fun. And I think the characters itself, like themselves, are pretty interesting. Mika is the worst and gives my name a bad name, but like he really is he still is like a fun character to watch play yeah. out. So I think his characters is are surprisingly a strong point. But I was just never that engaged with what the movie was doing. Yeah, that's interesting. I I actually praised in my review that like it kind of works as like like a lot of its romantic comedy like more comedic moments work really well and it like help engage me a lot more with the horror stuff that happens because you actually like care about these people <laughs> um so like good characterization i think i i get really scared <laughs> i'm like really scared of the dark and home invasion so like paranormal activity <laughs> is a very very effective premise for me so I like like the concept of home invasion know. stuff, yeah. like especially supernatural home invasion. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can't trust your own bedroom. Exactly. Yeah. But, What's scarier than that? But at the same time, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, guys. Just, I don't know. Don't be an idiot because I feel like this is, this, things would have been fine. 
Yeah, I don't know. The ending's a bit weird, but like I have a lot of fun with the horror sequences at like at night. And I think generally like the characterization is engaging enough that I have a good time with like a lot of the more mundane scenes too. You know? So what about the subtext, right? <laughs> the subtext Yeah, there's a really troubling uh subtext that uh, I'm trying to remember. I think screening notes brought up in his review. Uh he does not he's not a fan of paranormal activity. Uh, he's talking about how Katie, like, kind of, like, you can very easily read it as, like, an allegory for mental health. And, yeah, like, and, like, finding out that somebody has, like, a... Like, like a mental a, illness. A mental illness yeah. or medical condition that you didn't know about until you moved in with them. Exactly. You could very easily read the movie that way. That isn't how I interpreted it when I watched it. So I was, like, I, that wasn't, like, something that crossed my mind. But when I when I read that, I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and that's a pretty... It's a pretty blessed very tr- story yeah, if, very if it is troubling, read that way. Very troubling ending as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That's not what I got out of it. Like, I, I see it very much more as, like, a physical illness allegory, which I think is a lot more compelling, um, even yeah. though the ending still doesn't really make any sense with that. Yeah. Um, but that's how I kept relating to a lot of the beats in it. And, like, I don't know. I, I found the emotional core of it to work pretty well. Like, yeah. maybe it's just me. I don't, I don't know. know. I, was, I was not enthused, but it wasn't bad. I gave it I gave it a three out of five. Yeah, we watched the alternate ending for it as well. Uh, I don't know which one I'd prefer. Yeah, it wasn't really any that, like, yeah. it wasn't really that It's different. not substantially that different, uh, but I gave it a four out of five. I It scared me. I had a good time watching it, and I would watch it again. There you go. That's, all, that's all you need, I guess. Yeah. Uh, then we headed out to the theater. Our, our local cinema Whoa. is doing a fun thing where each Wednesday <laughs> this month they're playing, well, almost each Wednesday they're playing, I was going to say a classic horror movie, but that's not true. The last Wednesday they're doing the new It. So I guess just every Wednesday they're doing a Stephen King movie. Yeah. And this Wednesday... It was Christine. Christine. And we had never seen Christine. Yeah, we had never seen John Carpenter's Christine. Very weird movie. It's very weird. <laughs> I feel like every John Carpenter movie, you can be like, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know, Halloween and The Thing, which the are thing my is other pretty Carpenter movies, are not that weird. <laughs> I mean, if you get into like The Fog or Dark Star. The Fog is weird. They're definitely weird. Yeah. But like, Christine, man, Stephen King is weird. <laughs> That's the real thing. There's, yeah. there's a lot that I like about this movie. I think it's got some really strong sequences with Christine, yes. especially. I wish I wish she was in the movie more. Keith Gordon. Doing, doing fun things. Yeah, Keith Gordon is really, really he's memorable. Kinda, yeah, he's kind of killing um, it here. He's giving great stuff. <laughs> but like, I feel like the actual plot and pacing and writing and like arcs that characters yeah. take throughout the film are pretty slow and unengaging and kind of weirdly played out like i really thought this would be a pretty straightforward movie to do in like terms a, of how you it wanted it like, to have more drive like, like, like <laughs> yeah like more drive as like even like a horror movie but yeah. it's practically just like a bunch of people being like hanging out for most of the movie being like uh christine i think it's so she's funny. ruining my life i think it's so funny that like half of the movie maybe over half of the movie it's just like random scenes of like people either being like oh we really we really need to check in on our buddy arnie what's arnie yeah, what's up, up with arnie or arnie being like oh my it's just me and my car versus the world you know yeah i feel like a, I, I to to a kind of <laughs> that's like dis- most of the to movie. A kind of disappointing <laughs> degree in my opinion a lot of this movie is like a lot of the actual plot of this movie is told to you and not shown yeah um, which is is kind of disappointing yeah yeah for sure 
And that may be just because of, like, it's, it's nature of an adaptation or what. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's just really not that much to the Christine story. <laughs> but that being said, again, I think its characters are really strong. I think there's a lot of funny carpenterisms, like, <laughs> just the goofy old guy who has insane line deliveries and stuff like Dude, that. Very he's carpenter. So funny. <laughs> and, like, again, Christine as a character is really fascinating. I wish we got more of her. And, right. like, there are scenes like the, the show me scene is really cool well it's i think like at the at the bone of christine if you will the bad to the bone bone (laughs) of christine like christine works as a really fun like manifestation of like toxic masculine love yeah and like that that i find really really compelling and that's what like kind of pulls me through the whole movie even though like it is like kind of boring and slow and not much actually happens yeah. until the finale. I was about to say, so there's some great stuff in there, yeah. but it's not overall as good as I would like it to be. And I had just watched Videodrome recently. I talked about that <laughs> in our last episode. Yeah. And after watching something like Videodrome, where it has like, not even that similar <laughs> of a concept, but like, you know, guy... <laughs> object living you know arnie very directly like falls in love with christine Mm -hmm. i feel like like just thinking about that i wouldn't want cronenberg to to adapt christine very concerning what would happen after that you'd get titan you'd get titan but like at the same time somebody as creative and interesting as Cronenberg doing something like Videodrome or even like The Fly and just like Cronenberg's work in general is so much more engaging and well-written than this. That's just what I thought of. I think it's very funny that um, Arnie basically is Ken from the Barbie movie. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I gave it a three and a half out of five. You were a four out of five. I dug the atmosphere and I dug the flaming cars. So (laughs) that that was enough for me. Uh, Then we have a shout out to the fact that we finished. uh, We had been watching it for a while. I had kind of forced Robbie into watching it. Um, But it was the anniversary of the start so we decided to finish it but we finished neon genesis evangelion yeah Um, i my first time ever watching it Um, one of the most acclaimed and like well-known anime at least in america i don't know how one of one of my favorite uh pieces of art yeah um neon genesis what is there to say about it that hasn't already been said it's it's so (laughs) massive and emotional and extremely well weaved and complex and really sincere it's yeah it's it's very um <laughs> freudian it really is like a really apt way to describe it but it's a this very is, vulnerable this and beautiful is the piece most of work. freudian thing i've ever seen <laughs> what do you mean like, i love how i think i think like any any sort of example of freudian writing like i feel like you have to bring up I was to say, any any other like there's some jokes that's like oh that's so freudian no that's a joke unless you've watched neon genesis evangelion like literally is... you can spell out directly from uh sigmund freud's theories like exactly what is wrong with each of these characters literally it's very funny yeah but at the same time i think it somehow like works so well yeah. i love what the show is oh doing and like i cry my eyes out at the end of the show 
it's so lasting and memorable to me and impactful and i think an important story to be shared with young adults yeah especially no ones yeah who, it's really it's really a good like story for young adults especially especially, especially ones that uh struggle with similar things that haidaka did like that's this is like his heart poured out onto a, a screen for kind of <laughs> congratulating people for just getting through the same kind of stuff he's had to get exactly, through. Exactly, yeah. Which I think is really commendable. And it also is really wacky, fun Bible fan fiction. Yeah, I was about to say Dead Sea Scrolls fanfic goes crazy for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it's a very like existence affirming piece, which I can see why so many people like have latched onto it for that. And like, it, I don't know, it's really beautiful. It's got like such striking animation. It's got some of the most memorably animated things I've ever seen. Yeah, and like it's it's world building, the way it builds out its inter, uh, interpersonal relationships and like the overarching narrative of it it's very impressive it's like a, a just a monstrous piece of work and i i really enjoyed it it's really beautiful yeah it's it's again hands down one of my favorite things i've ever seen <laughs> like it's just yeah especially with end of evangelion which we haven't watched i haven't yet, watched it which i, I really <laughs> want to show the end of evangelion because yeah. the show is very much incomplete without it uh but end of evangelion is one of the most beautiful movies <laughs> like hands down one of the best movies ever made in my opinion yeah that's honestly the biggest criticism of neon genesis that i have is that it feels incomplete because like the story finally ramps up and then it just kind of cuts just, to they, the end they skip about four episodes <laughs> worth of stuff yeah uh to to continue which on. like the ending still works and it is still like the uh, the catharsis of it still works and everything but you just the i don't know congratulations scene yeah like. but it just doesn't it, it's not doing everything that i want it to do like everything that it's promised me and i i need to watch the end of evangelion yeah. because i have a feeling i'm really gonna enjoy it anyway neon genesis five out of five for me neon genesis gets a big thumbs up i like it <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway i just i have to go off on that that's one of my favorite things yeah uh, then on the fifth what did we watch oh wait before that i watched something without you on the fifth whoa on the fifth i watched before i watched something with you the 80s pet cemetery whoa stephen king more stephen he's, king he's everywhere I've watched What's too with that many guy? Stephen King movies. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Go get a job, Maybe, maybe Pet Cemetery is just like kind of a lame story. <laughs> this was kind of lame. Uh, isn't it like whatever you bury in the pet cemetery comes back to life? No, Remy. No? It's got nothing to do with the pet cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the premise. I don't know. It's whatever you bury at a completely unrelated, <laughs> very far away cemetery that comes back to life. It's funny. <laughs> oh, not a single thing is buried in the pet cemetery in the movie. And that's very confusing to me. But beyond that, it, it's just riddled with the problems that you often get when King himself tackles a screenplay. <laughs> it's just boring. Like, just straight up. And I think the performances are actually really great in this. Um, there's some really memorable actors. Um, uh, Dale Midkiff is really great in this. And Fred Gwynn, I guess, is how you'd say his name. Mm. They're both, like, really great. I think they're really engaging to watch. I love what they're doing. 
but there's just it's just hands down a boring movie <laughs> it is written in a boring manner it's too long and the plot just doesn't like like what is the what is the plot i don't get it like i understand why it progresses the way that it progresses it's not like dumb in that aspect but it just does it seems kind of pointless and meandery and doesn't set up anything <laughs> in that scary of a way and i don't know it's not my cup of tea, not my but it's still cuppa. pretty decent. Like, it's not bad. Uh, I, I've just been kind of like, I don't know, I get very disappointed, I get very by, disappointed by yeah. King adaptations <laughs> that aren't good because I think King is a really interesting writer at the end of the day. Yes. Um, I love the concept of so much of his work. And I was really looking forward to Pet Cemetery because the concept <laughs> was really interesting to me. And That's I think how he was, sells books, Mike. <laughs> I think it was very boring, but still decent. I give it a three out of five. Fair enough. Well, you know something that is interesting in concept and execution, Mike? <laughs> uh, the movie we watched called Killer Clowns from Outer Killer Space. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, baby. We watched it <laughs> that night. Bit of a cult classic. Bit of a cult classic. I feel like it was kind of like genetically engineered to be a cult classic, right. you know? <laughs> wild movie like the passion project of like a puppeteer steven (laughs) chiodo i think is how you say his name uh puppeteer who'd worked on a bunch of stuff he made a movie he directed a movie uh, that was just (laughs) pretty sure it was just for him to have fun with puppets right (laughs) i was about to say he co-wrote it with like i guess probably his family members because charles chiodo and edward chiodo are the co-writers of it watch it was just like him and his brothers (laughs) yeah being like yeah but it's like, I don't know, Killer Clowns from Outer yeah, Space. The, Chio- the Chiodo brothers, That's so uh, Stephen, Charles, and Edward. <laughs> but yeah, like, Killer Clowns, it feels like a, like, just a dumb passion project. Not that, it, like, I'm degrade, not in a degrading way, but like a silly passion oh, project. Oh, interesting. They're all, they're all in production design and puppeting oh, cool. and stuff. That explains why the movie looks so freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure it didn't have, like, a huge budget, but, like, they spent it in the right places, man. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> it's so fun and goofy. Uh, there are some complaints that i have about the movie i don't think it takes things as far as it could yeah and i don't think it's always as interesting as it could be because of that like i, I get kind of bored at certain parts of it maybe because it doesn't um, have a main character it doesn't have a main or character much of a plot. and it's not often <laughs> that scary yeah uh but that may make it sound like a bad movie but it's not it's great you guys gotta watch it's so funny oh my god it's really funny it's really creative the characters that are there are all like cartoonishly weird in a fun way it's yeah i i don't know it's it's pretty great pretty memorable yeah i think it works as a really fun riff on like 80s movies like 80s horror remakes that were coming out at the time like that's a really fun lens to view it through i think because like we, you have all, like, these weird, like, small-town archetypes with, like, these just, like, absolutely off-the-walls, like, cartoonish uh, clown, uh, killer clowns, you know? I love the killer clowns themselves. Yeah, and they're, they're so awesome. Good. And, like, I don't know, it's just a blast. Uh, anytime the clowns are doing their little their little bits, I was having a good time. I love, I love <laughs> the, what are, what are their names? The brothers in the movie. The ice cream the truck ice cream, drivers. The... <laughs> the Terenzi brothers yeah i love oh the way they're written how they just like can't help 
but do comedy buffoonery. They're in like the most dangerous so situation funny. and oh they just gosh. can't help the little cartoon characters. And that's amazing. Yeah, it, it just feels like a really sincere passion project. And like, it's so funny. I, I just, I have an endless love for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm so glad I just like blind bought it at, at a used movie store. <laughs> yeah. I give it a five out of five. I give it a four out of five. Beautiful movie. <laughs> <laughs> then on the sixth, we watched happy death day to you yes uh which i don't have much to say about it was uh <laughs> it's a sequel like, it's like happy death day but it's not a horror movie it's a weird <laughs> comedy uh, time travel movie that kind of sucks it's like it's like a and multiverse I, comedy it's so weird i didn't really like what it was doing i didn't like the characters nearly as much i don't think they have nearly as strong of characterization which allows them to be not nearly as funny as they were even in the first movie which was less focused on comedy <laughs> the plot's really muddled and nothing really emotionally works well for it yeah with me so i was not a big fan yeah no it's weird because it's like the first movie is very much just like meant to be a comedic time like loop slasher like that is what it is like it, it's very much on the label exactly what it set out to be and happy death day to you is like this weird multiverse dramedy right <laughs> and it, like the emotional core just does not land the way i want it to and it like, also for, for me to be like totally sold on it and again like all <laughs> bad sequels it steps on the toes of the emotional core and structure of the original movie yeah it's weird it's a it's a very funny like way to go about writing a sequel to Happy Death Day, um, and I kind of admire like its pure just like insaneness. <laughs> um, but like I don't know, it's not that interesting or all that funny all the time. So like it ends up just being kind of like a flat line of a experience. I was about to say the funniest joke in the whole movie is reused from the first movie. So, <laughs> but yeah, I gave it a three out of five. I I had a good time with it. Like I would watch it again, but it's not. I would just if I was in the mood to watch it, I'd probably just turn on the first one again. I gave it a two and a half. I wouldn't want to watch this again. Oh, um, it's a shame. <laughs> then on the seventh, which was my birthday, happy birth, happy, happy death birthday oh, to you, my. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I woke up that morning and watched Scooby-Doo and The Witch's Ghost, what? which is one of my all-time favorite Scooby-Doo movies. I still haven't seen it. I also think the most overtly Halloween Scooby-Doo movie, in my opinion. <laughs> Not outside Goblin of, King. Like outside that. of the ones, like, I don't know. It's more <laughs> Halloween to me, even though it doesn't take place on Halloween, than stuff like Goblin King mm. or even, like, Trick or Treat. Or there's another one. Oh, that I takes, love Trick or Treat. There's another one that takes place, like, directly on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. But none of those, like, capture what I think of when I think of Halloween quite as well as Witch's Ghost, which is, like, set in, I think they go to massachusetts and they're and go it's, to boston and it's all fall and it's all set up for like I don't, I don't know it's very it's very what i think of of like i don't know like childhood kind of halloween movie like cool. even the, like the atmosphere of something like paranorman and something yeah like that. yeah that's just very like yeah that's like a halloween's halloween um <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's great. I love it. It's one of the Jim Senstrom Scooby-Doo movies, nice. and he's just the best. Any of his Shout movies rock. Um, 
It's got a very unique animation style. It's got a really fun plot. It's got Tim Curry. Got Tim Shout Curry. Out to Tim Curry. Hey, hey. And yeah, it's really great. I don't want to elaborate too far because I want to go to sleep. <laughs> uh, I gave it a four and a half out of five. Very cool. Later that day, we watched Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy the movie. Bebop the movie, which Cowboy Bebop is another one of my all-time <laughs> favorite shows. Arguably, maybe my favorite show. And I had only watched the movie recently. You may have heard me talk about it a bit ago, but I yeah. had to watch the dub because the dub is the only thing ever streaming. <laughs> And we stopped at a random second in Charles on the way back from getting a tattoo that I got. And we found Cowboy Bebop the movie on Blu-ray. Crazy. So yeah, we watched it. And I have never seen the show outside of like half of one episode, I think. Uh, And the movie was fun. I think the movie movie is a really fun like a romp with the characters. I don't think it's nearly as good as the show by any means. I actually really agree with Shafrilis's review on this, where he just is like, there's like 15 episodes that would have had way better feature length stories that you could pull out of them than this movie yeah, is. It, it kind of feels like you could do this in like a two-parter or even just one episode of yeah, a show. Whereas, whereas there are episodes in the actual show itself where you could pull out like... <laughs> a lot more interesting stuff and it feels like oh you're you're almost like oh no oh no (laughs) but it's great getting to spend time with these uh characters yeah if anything this sold me on like watching the show like because now i want to see what it's like (laughs) um because this is like like the characters are really the biggest like selling point to me here like it looks pretty great like it's really well crafted animation and it's generally a fun time but like it's not the tightest script in the world yeah um but it is fun it's too long (laughs) it is too long (laughs) <laughs> but i had a good time watching it uh and it was cool i gave it a four out of five i also gave it a four out of five very nice then on the eighth we watched the the interesting little low budget found footage <laughs> movie as above so below whoa which is like really cool but also way less cool than it feels like it should be yeah um i described it in my review as uh Felucci meets National Treasure via found footage, like Lucio Felucci, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I talked about his Gates uh, to Hell trilogy a little while ago when I finished it, and it very much feels like in line with that mythos um but it's very weird i like it a lot though. yeah i really i really <laughs> admire what this movie is doing it's very much up in my alley and almost everything that it's doing but you feel like it really like stretched the writers and the budget thin by the end this could have been like 40 minutes long <laughs> not only could it have been like 40 minutes long but like it could have been a lot better with more drafts. There's just so oh, yeah. much that feels disappointing by the end. A lot of things that are presented but never picked back up on. That really is the biggest like disappointment of As Above, So Below is like by the time you get to like the finale, you're like, yeah, man, let's see what it has to offer. And then it's just kind of like basic. Yeah, there's and... still there's still some really fun creative stuff for what they could do. Like yeah. you, like I said you can kind of see their budget start to run thin with even <laughs> some of the effects they're going for by the end, some of the crazy stuff. Yeah. So you can tell that they can't take it as far as they wanted to. But even then like the writing could have just been better with it. 
there's some pretty like hilariously goofy stuff that happens by the end with the with the main MacGuffin of the movie. Yeah, um, and it's just it's just weird. It's not as scary as I want it to be, you know. Yeah, um, I, 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 not not to advocate for remakes, <laughs> but it really makes me wish Dude. that this was just like, like, like do it again but better that kind of this actually i would actually really benefit from a remake i think yeah i absolutely love the concept <laughs> of as above so below i can you know do you want to give me a budget you want to give me some money i'll make as above so below uh because it is absolutely up my alley in what it's doing and i just want it to just just want it to hit its punches stronger i want it to land better i just wanted to give a shout because it very much reminded me of the uh segment to helen back from uh whichever vhs movie i watched i don't remember <laughs> vhs 99 uh very similar uh in quality and in enjoyment so but i commend as above so below for what it's doing and it's i enjoy fun. it i think it's a fun movie the characters are fun uh the lore and like actual crafting of it especially in yeah. like the middle is really cool yeah for sure and it's generally spooky i had a good time watching it yeah i gave it a three and a half out of five I gave it a three out of five uh it's pretty fun and then we watched toto oh wait no darn it you watched something else <laughs> i'm sorry i there was a new slasher movie that came out I on said, amazon oh, prime i said oh it's gonna be bad and i i don't know i really want like i feel like scream kind of spoiled me because that was like the first slasher i ever watched and now i expect like every slasher movie to be scream and that's just not gonna happen uh but totally killer is the name of the movie it came out this year and it's fine <laughs> it's a fine movie uh it's a time travel slasher comedy and it delivers uh decently on the slasher part and kind of flops as a time travel comedy <laughs> like i don't know i i didn't find it that funny and like a lot of the humor just doesn't really work in my eyes and like I don't know, whenever it's doing, like, fun slasher set pieces, I was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Like, there's this really great scene where, like, all the characters, like, they're all high schoolers. They go out to, like, have a sweet 16 party at a cabin, and they're all, like, they're all getting high, and there's, like, some really, really fun, like, horror antics during that part. Yeah. Like, the cabin is, like, the standout set piece in my mind. And, like, that that scene rocks, if, it, if the whole movie was just stuff like that, I would be like, yes, man, this is, like, the best thing ever. Uh, but, like, I don't know, it gets really dragged down by, like, all of its weird, like, A plot, B plot because of its time travel stuff. It has, like, it play out, like, um, parallel, and it really drags down a lot of the scene-to-scene -scene tension. I don't, I don't know, Ravi. <laughs> I heard the premise of this, and I was like, wow, that sounds bad and annoying. No. So I didn't watch it. I don't know. I, I had I had hope. I had hope <laughs> that I would like it, because I really like slashers as, like, a genre, and I think I you know. can explore so many cool things about filmmaking itself in a slasher movie. Yes, but as, as, a, <laughs> as a rule, I think most time travel movies suck. Yeah, no, this one really <laughs> this one really trips uh when it comes to being a time travel movie like it makes all of the drama of everything just kind of fall flat and make every it makes the reveal at the end so silly and cringeworthy and i that's on honestly the last like 10 minutes of the worst part of this movie but like 
I don't know. It's the middle part is really fun. Like, and the cast is pretty fun. It was cool seeing Olivia Holt here. Like I grew up watching her and kicking it. (laughs) So it's kind of funny to see her like in a slasher movie. So I don't know. I had fun with the cast. Uh, Whenever it was doing like cool slasher stuff, I was having a good time. Uh, But it compared itself directly to Scream and then had the audacity to not be like the best movie ever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. Generally, I think I would give it another go sometime, like if I just got in the mood for it. But I don't know. It's not something I would necessarily recommend just because it kind of it, it feels very amateurish. And I mean, like. This is a very new director, like, they've only done one other movie, and it's not a horror movie, so I don't know. Yeah, it feels amateurish and falls into a lot of the, like, kind of insufferable trappings that streaming service original movies can fall into, but I don't know. I had a a generally fun time with it, so... (laughs) I don't know. I, I have a very mixed feeling towards Totally Killer, but I, <laughs> I, I gave it a three out of five. So There you go. And then we watched Hotel Transylvania. We watched Hotel Transylvania. And then we came down here to record Then we came down the here episode. <laughs> to record the episode. Which you've now listened to in its entirety almost. Almost. <laughs> You're so close. Indeed. Just uh, like we are. <laughs> well, yeah, in proximity. <laughs> We're in the studio, Micah too true during spooky season nonetheless it's kind of dark in here (laughs) Uh, but yeah thanks for listening to the whole episode if you made it uh to the end go go check out our letterboxd account where we go check out the hq page recently logged on letterboxd go watch a go watch a good movie go watch watch a a spooky movie movie. go watch a good scooby-doo movie (laughs) uh if you're okay with the content in it i cannot recommend enough uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, please, please do a, a parental guide check before you watch <laughs> that show. Um, but I do, I do think it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go watch something good, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, tell somebody about it. And live your life. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll see you next week for our discussion on the next Scream fun movie. Whoa. 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 <laughs> <laughs>